All right. Well, we do this series every, uh, every year in February. For the last several years, we've started it. And uh, each year, we look at a, at a topic. We do this in February. We do it in August. Usually in August, the topics that we look at are more uh, doctrinal questions or theological questions. And usually in February, the topics we look at are more uh, practical uh, topics or more even like cultural things. Um, and so we're excited this year to, to talk about the Lord's Supper. Last February, uh, we spent the whole month talking about baptism. And so if you weren't here for that or uh, missed that or, or just have forgotten that, uh, then you can go back online and find those, uh, find those uh, messages on, on what we believe about baptism, what other groups believe about baptism. Uh, but this year we're going to focus on the Lord's Supper, Okay. Uh, and so we're going to talk a lot about what the Lord's Supper is and, uh, and why we celebrate the Lord's Supper and how should we celebrate the Lord's Supper and when should we celebrate the Lord's Supper and, and all those kind of questions over the next few weeks, okay? And so there are lots of questions that come up. I just wrote a few weeks for you for us to kind of think about uh, tonight at, at the beginning here to kind of whet our appetite for the next few weeks. Uh, and so one question that comes up all the time with the Lord's Supper is, who should participate in the Lord's Supper? And, and also another question kind of related to that is, whose responsibility is it to decide who participates, right? So should the Lord, when, when we have the Lord's Supper, should it be open to all believers? Or should it be open only to members of this church? Or should it be open to all Baptists, but not other denominations, or should it be uh, all people that have been baptized, whether they've been baptized by immersion the way that, that we believe baptism is or whether they've been sprinkled or, or, or poured or however baptism ha has, been, uh, has been done in their life? Should it be all people that have been baptized no matter what the, the mode or method? Or should it be uh, all people that have been baptized by immersion only, whether they're Baptist or part of another uh, denomination or another church that also baptizes by immersion? Right? So, so who should participate? And then who decides who participates? Is it up to just whoever's out in the pew to, to decide for themselves if they're going to participate or not? Is it up to the people that are serving the Lord's Supper to decide whether they're going to pass the tray to that person or to this person? Or if they're not going to pass the tray to that person or, or this person? Who, who makes those kind of decisions? Another question that comes up a lot, we're not going to answer any of these questions tonight, by the way, so that might be a little bit frustrating to you. Uh, but a little bit of cliffhanger for you to come back next week and the next week. Uh, another question, um, how should the Lord's Supper be done? Should we take the bread and the, and the juice and should we, should we, like on trays like we're doing tonight, and pass it around and everyone stay in their seat and the, and the elements come to you, get passed to you? Um, should we have the, the, the people that are taking the Lord's Supper uh, walk up? kind of how we did it during COVID, right? And have the, have the elements here and, and everyone walks up and, and takes them. Um, should we use a, uh, like a, a wafer or, or cracker type um, bread or should we use a loaf of bread and, and break a piece off each person? Um, should we use wine or should we use grape juice? Or should we use water? The Mormon, Mormon churches use bread and water. Um, or does it even really matter what the elements are? Uh, could we do Coke and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? Does it matter, does it matter at all even what the, what the elements are? Should we use a common cup, right, where we have one big cup of juice or wine or whatever it is, and we pass it around and everyone drinks out of the same cup? Some churches do that. 
should we, uh, should we, should we take the bread and the cup together and, and break off a piece and dip it in the juice? There's some churches that do that, right? Um, should, we, should we all gather in family groups and take the Lord's Supper as a family? Even during our worship services, there, there, there are churches that do that. Or I, I was at a church one time where at the very beginning of the service, they passed out the, the bread and the, and the juice, and there wasn't really a particular time in the service when the Lord's Supper was observed. It was just each individual person uh, did it by themselves whenever they felt like they should. And then another question is, does any of that even matter, right? Is it okay to do any and all of those things, or, or does it matter at all? Another question that comes up sometimes is, when should the Lord's Supper be done? Right? We, we have the Lord's Supper once a month. Uh, when I first moved to Louisville and first joined the church here, we had the Lord's Supper once a quarter, or sometimes even, even less often than that, once every three months. Now we have it once a month, but there are other churches that have the Lord's Supper every week. Um, There's some churches that, or some people who, uh, who have the Lord's Supper at their weddings, Right? Sometimes the whole, the whole wedding uh, uh, congregation, the whole people that are there to watch the wedding, uh, have the Lord's Supper together. Sometimes just the bride and groom have the Lord's Supper up on the stage. Is, is that okay? Uh, what about at youth camp? Should there be Lord's Supper services at, at youth camp? Or should that be something that's just done among the church? Right? Uh, or, or another example, what about family gatherings? Should, should believing families have the Lord's Supper together at their, at their houses? Or again, is it just for the church? And then another question, a big question that we're going to spend some time talking about uh, next week is, why do we have the Lord's Supper? What does the Lord's Supper do? What is the purpose of the Lord's Supper? Okay, and we're, so we're going to talk about some big words like transubstantiation, right? And what the Catholic Church believes that the Lord's Supper is or, or does. Or another big word, consubstantiation. What, do the, what does the Lutheran Church believe about the Lord's Supper and, and, and why we celebrate the Lord's Supper and, and what it does? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about an, uh, another view of uh, the spiritual presence view or the memorial view, right? These are different, different ideas through the, through the history of the church that, that, that believers have tried to take the Bible and say, well, this is what the Lord's Supper does and this is why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. I remember, uh, I think it was when I was in, in middle school, Sunday school class, uh, my Sunday school teacher talking about the Lord's Supper, um, or communion, we called it, uh, and that in his mind, every time he takes communion, every time he takes the Lord's Supper, it's like a, it's like a starting over. He confesses all of his sins up until that point, all that he can remember if he hasn't confessed them already, and that's kind of a new starting point for him, right? Is that a good way to think about the Lord's Supper? Is that what the purpose of the Lord's Supper is? Um, we're going to talk about a lot of these questions over the next few weeks, okay? And then the good thing is if, if we don't talk about them all, right, if there's some that we skip over, the last week of February, the fourth week of February, uh, will just be all questions and answers. And so any question that you feel like we didn't answer or, or didn't address or didn't address the way that you would like for it to be addressed, you can feel free to ask those questions on that fourth week. That's kind of what to look forward to, what's coming. But tonight, I want to look at three passages in the Bible uh, and just talk about kind of what the Lord's Supper is. Okay, so uh, coming in the next few weeks is what, what's it for and what does it do and how, do, how should we do it? So let's look at how we do it and who should do it, all, all those kind of things. But tonight, just, just what is it? So let's look at two passages. First, let's look at Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. 
uh, and we're going to start in verse 26. Okay, so this is, uh, this is the gospel, right? So it's about Jesus' life. And this is uh, at the point in Jesus' life where he is uh, about to be betrayed. He knows that he's about to be betrayed. He knows that he's about to be crucified. He's about to be arrested and, uh, and all that goes along with that, beaten and, and all those kind of things, and then crucified. So this is right before the crucifixion. Um, and he meets with his uh, disciples in the upper room. Remember that story where he told them to go and go to a certain place and they'd find a colt tied up there or a, a donkey tied up there and to, and to get it <coughs> and to, to bring it to him. And he rides into Jerusalem and they're about to celebrate the Passover. Okay? And the Passover was a festival in the, in the Old Testament festival that, that uh, commemorated uh, the people being, uh, being let go and, uh, and leaving Egypt as slaves. Okay, so remember they, God sent the ten plagues, and then the last plague was the death of the firstborn son, and then Pharaoh told the people to, to, to go, and they, they gave them all kinds of stuff to, to send them on their way with, uh, and, and they left. And the Passover was a commemoration of that, a reminder of that festival. And so Jesus is meeting with his disciples. It's the Passover time of the year. He's meeting with his disciples to celebrate the Passover meal, and then he does this, starting in verse 26 as part of that meal or at the end of that meal. While they were eating, so while they were eating the Passover meal, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, take and eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness. I will not dance. But I say to you, <coughs> I, will not drink from this, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay? And you can keep your finger there. We may, we may flip back there. Uh, but also look at Luke chapter 22. This is the same story, but it's Luke telling the story. We read the Mark, uh, Mark's remembrance of the story uh, just to start the service. Okay, so Luke, uh, Luke chapter 22. This is the same, the same event, but Luke telling what's happening. So in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 14, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table. Again, this is still the Passover meal. And the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant. It's both blood. Okay? So both of these uh, events, both of these, uh, um, both of these accounts, I should say, uh, 
tell the, tell the history of, of this event where Jesus is with his disciples, with his, with his followers, and they're celebrating the Passover. And then Jesus takes kind of a turn. The Passover had, was very specific, very regimented. You do this, and then you do this, and you say this, and you do this, and you read this from the Bible. And it was, it was very regimented what you did. And at the end of the Passover, Jesus added something new to it. Okay, And this is where the Lord's Supper comes from. And so I want to want to make note of just a few things in in this uh, in these passages. So so we're still in Luke, in Luke chapter twenty-two, right? It's where we were. Look back at verse fifteen. In verse fifteen, Jesus says, "I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer." Okay, and so so this was anticipated. This wasn't just something Jesus did on the kind of fly of the moment, right? This was something that was meant, something that was on purpose, something that was anticipated, something that Jesus had looked forward to, okay? And so because it's something Jesus had looked forward to, because it's something that Jesus had anticipated, because it's something that was planned beforehand, we can take that to mean there's some significance to it, right? It's something that matters. Jesus did it on purpose, and so it's something that, that, that matters, Another thing about it, though, look at verse 16. He says, uh, For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then verse 18. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And so it's also temporary. It points to something else, right? This is a temporary thing that points to something else. Jesus is instituting this this ritual, right, this, this supper, this, this, uh, this celebration of, of, of the, that we call the Lord's Supper, he's instituting this for the church, but it's only going to last for a certain amount of my father. Jesus says, I'm not going to do this anymore until I do it again with you in my father's kingdom, okay? Just a few weeks ago, we were uh, in Revelation chapter 19, right? And it, I, I'm not going to, I will read there. Revelation chapter 19, you can listen or you can turn there. In Revelation 19, starting in verse 7, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so in Revelation 19 there, we see this event that's going to happen in the future. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen in the future. And it's a, a reunion between Jesus and the church. Right? This, this morning in Revelation 21, we've already talked about it even tonight. This morning in Revelation 21, uh, there was the picture there of, of marriage, the picture of the bride and the bridegroom, right? And this is the same picture that's in Revelation 19. There's going to be a future reunion between Jesus and his church. And that's pictured as a wedding ceremony. And in the meantime, we have this event, the Lord's Supper, that's, that's pointing to that. Okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's, but it's pointing to that. So the Lord's Supper is a temporary observance. We're, we're to observe it as the church often, and, and we'll talk about how often in, in the coming weeks, but we're to observe it as, as a church. But there's going to be a day when it, when it concludes. It's pointing to something greater than itself. Okay? So it's temporary. 
Another thing about the Lord's Supper we see here in Luke is that it is symbolic. It's symbolic. Look at uh, uh, chapter 22, look at verses 19 and 20. When this is Jesus had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Okay, that's a really controversial verse if you don't know and we're gonna talk about why next week. But Jesus there says, this is my body. Okay, there's a big division in church history over that one sentence, this is my body. There was a, a man in church history that took a knife and carved, it in a, carved that phrase in a desk during a meeting to hold himself to that because he didn't want to forget the Bible said that in, in that meeting. We'll talk about all that next week. But Jesus says, this is my body. But Jesus was, our, was also standing right there, right? He takes the bread and says, this is my body. But Jesus' body was holding the bread when he said that, right? The bread wasn't literally Jesus' body because Jesus' body was there standing in front of them, holding the bread out. Jesus' body was the one speaking to them, saying, this is my body, right? And so the bread is symbolic of something else. It's a symbol of Jesus' body, okay? And the same thing, look at verse 20. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Okay, well, is the cup literally the new covenant in Jesus' blood? Was the cup, was the juice, the wine there, was that what was literally poured out for his people? No, it was his actual literal blood was poured out for his people, right? And his, his actual blood is the blood of the new covenant. His, his death, his, his, uh, his blood is what established the new covenant. And so we see that, that these elements, the bread and the wine, are symbolic for something else. The bread represents Jesus' body, and the, and the wine or the juice represents Jesus' blood. So, they're, so it's symbolic. Okay, So it's anticipated. It's something that it wasn't just kind of a fly of the moment. It was something that was uh, prearranged and that Jesus was looking forward to and Jesus did on purpose. It was anticipated. It was also temporary, though, and points to something greater than itself, the, this reunion, the marriage supper, the lamb, and the, and the church. This re- it was of, of Jesus and his people that's going to come in the future. It's to point us to that. It was symbolic. Okay? And then the fourth thing, look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. Take this and share it among yourselves. Okay, so there's an aspect of the Lord's Supper that's vertical, right? There's something in the Lord's Supper, and we're going to talk all about, more about these details next week. There's something about the Lord's Supper that, that connects us to God, right? There's something about the Lord's Supper that has to do with us worshiping God. And we've already said it was symbolic of Jesus' blood. We've already said it's symbolic of Jesus' body. Already said that it anticipates, uh, it, it, uh, it, um, it's temporary and it points to something greater, right? That it points to the reunion between Jesus and his church. So there's an aspect of the Lord's Supper that's vertical. It's between us and God. But there's also an aspect of the Lord's Supper that's horizontal between us and each other. Okay? He says in verse 17, take this and share it among yourselves. Right? They're doing it together. They're all together in the upper room, and they're, and they're sharing in, the, in this meal together. They're sharing it among themselves. So there's something vertical about it, but there's also something horizontal about it. Okay? And that, that kind of brings us to the next passage that we're going to look at, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Okay? So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're, we're, we're finished with Luke and Matthew. We're not coming back there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So this is the letter that Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. 
okay? And there's some problems in the church in Corinth. And one of the problems in the church in Corinth is the way that they're celebrating the Lord's Supper, okay? And we don't need to get into the details about all the, what the problem was and what they were doing wrong, but, but Paul wrote this in this letter. He's writing to them to address all the problems they're having. And this section, he's addressing the problems they're having with the Lord's Supper. And so in this passage, he's telling them uh, what's right about the Lord's Supper and how we should celebrate the Lord's Supper together, okay? So starting in verse uh, 23, Paul says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's the same thing we read in Matthew and Luke, right? And in Mark earlier. In the same way, verse 25, he took the cup. Also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, the same thing that we've already read in Matthew and Luke. Then in verse 26, he says this, and I want to focus on this verse for a few minutes. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay? So, so in, in, in those earlier verses, we're going to go back and look at those two in a second. In those earlier verses, though, Paul's saying this is what Jesus did and this is what Jesus said, right, about the bread and about the cup. And now we get to verse 26, and he says this is why Jesus said it, and this is why Jesus told you to do it this way. He says because, or for, as often as you eat this bread and drink, the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Well, what does the word proclaim mean? It means to, to speak up, right? To speak out, to, to, to say something. Even, even, you know, in some context, depends on the, the, the context that you're, that you're using that word, but maybe even to shout something, right? Or to, to announce something, something like that, right? When I was in seminary, we had a class called the Ministry of Proclamation, okay? And it was a preaching class. I don't know why they didn't call it preaching, they, but they didn't. They called it the Ministry of Proclamation uh, to make it sound more fancy, I guess. Uh, but it was just a preaching class, but it was called the ministry of proclamation. And so we think about, when we think about proclaiming something, we think about preaching something, okay? Those of you who've been around church for a, for a while may remember uh, there was a time in like the 90s or uh, maybe even before that where there was a, a big movement in the church and in, in like youth camps and things like that. There was a big emphasis on drama, and drama ministry, right? We're going to do skits and, and things like that, right? Uh, and... and that's, that, those could be good, could be bad, depending on if they were good or bad. Uh, but not, nothing inherently bad about them, right? But we don't necessarily need a drama ministry. We don't need, we don't need a, a skit to show us what the gospel is because God has already given us two skits to show us what the gospel is. He's already given us two visual demonstrations of the gospel in the two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. When we watch someone be baptized... We're, we're seeing the gospel visually, okay? And when we take the Lord's Supper, when we take the Lord's Supper together, especially, the same thing is happening. We're seeing the gospel visually played out in, in front of us. And so whenever, whenever you're just sitting in your pew, whenever I'm just sitting in my pew, when someone else is leading the Lord's Supper, when we're just sitting in our pew and all we're doing is, is taking the bread when it comes by and taking the juice when it comes by and then eating it at the right time and drinking it at the right time, just simply doing those acts, we are proclaiming the gospel. 
We are proclaiming Jesus' death until he comes. We're preaching to each other, right? This is the horizontal aspect of the Lord's Supper, that it's something that, that we do with one another, for one another, to one another. Um, there's that horizontal aspect to it. Okay, so he tells us two things, though, in verse 26. He says, as often as you do this, you proclaim his death, right? So, so part of this proclamation, part of this preaching, part of, part of what the Lord's Supper is, is it's pointing us backwards to Jesus' death, right? He says in verse, um, verse 24 and 25, he says, uh, as, you, as you eat this bread, right, how, how does it say it exactly? He says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right? And then in 25, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Okay? On our, we don't have our table up here tonight, but on our table uh, that, that we use for the Lord's Supper sometimes, it has engraved on it where we're looking at this in remembrance of me. Right? Or maybe just in remembrance of me. But there's an aspect of the Lord's Supper where we're looking backwards. We're proclaiming his death. We're looking backwards. It's, it's, in, it's in memory. It's in remembrance of him. And so when I eat the bread and when you drink the juice, we're, we're reminding each other of Jesus's death, right? When the, even when the bread crunches between our teeth, we're reminding ourselves of Jesus's body that was broken for our sins. As we're drinking the juice, we're reminding ourselves of Jesus's blood that was spilt, right? We're reminding ourselves even of the wrath. The Bible says that, that Jesus drank down the wrath of God on our behalf. We're reminding ourselves of these things as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We're looking backwards to the foundation of our faith and our hope. And we're proclaiming that to ourselves and we're proclaiming it to each other. He also says in verse 26, though, he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death looking backwards. But then he says, until he comes, right, looking forward. And that's that aspect that, that we were looking at in, in the Gospel of Luke, where, where Jesus says, I'm not going to eat this again until I eat it with you in my Father's kingdom. And so whenever we gather together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, part of what we're doing is looking backwards at what Jesus has, has done, the foundation of our faith, the foundation of our hope. And part of what we're doing is looking forward and anticipating that day when we're reunited with, with Jesus. Looking ahead. This is the new covenant of his blood, right? What is the new covenant? What is new about the new covenant? Well, if we go back to Jeremiah 31, we're not going to, but if we went back and looked at that, one of, one of the big newnesses of the new covenant is that now the Lord is within us, right? The Holy Spirit and, and, and the Lord is, is with his people in the, in, as they're going into the promised land uh, in, in the desert, right? He's with them in Egypt. He's with them throughout the Old Testament, right? The Holy Spirit. But the difference is now the Lord is not just with us, but in us, right? The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so there's this, this, this aspect of the new covenant that, uh, that God is with us, intimately within us, right? And this is finally going to be fulfilled in the new heavens and new earth. We just read about even this morning and last week in Revelation 21, right? It says that the Lord will be with his people. He'll make his dwelling place with his people. In the passage we looked at this morning, the temple, right? There's no need for a temple because Jesus is the temple. And we will be with him and he will be with us. And this is what we're looking forward to in the Lord's Supper. We're proclaiming his death until he comes. And when he comes, 
these things that we're longing for, these things that we're anticipating are going to be reality. And the Lord's Supper reminds us of that. The Lord's Supper remind, reminds us of, of that. This is the hope that we're moving toward. Okay? So, so when, we, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together and we're proclaiming these things, we're proclaiming his death looking backwards until he comes looking forward, who is it that we're proclaiming these truths to? We're proclaiming them to ourselves, I think. We're proclaiming them to the world. But there's a really important aspect to where we're proclaiming them to each other. When, when, when I'm taking the Lord's Supper and you're taking the Lord's Supper, I don't like the phrase taking the Lord's Supper, by the way. I wish I hadn't just said that, right? It sounds like taking medicine or something. I, I think it's better to talk about we're having the Lord's Supper together. We're celebrating the Lord's Supper together. But whenever we do, whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we're doing it together, right? And as I'm eating the bread and as I'm drinking the wine and I'm seeing you eat the bread and drink the, drink the juice, it's a reminder to me and it's a reminder to you that we're in this together, right? That we're believing together, that we're following Jesus together, that we're trying to live a righteous, holy life together, that we're repenting of our sins together, that we're seeking forgiveness together, that we can count on one another, right? That I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm taking you with me, right? And that you're on your way to heaven, but you're taking me with you. And we're, and, and, and we're working uh, to help one another to get there. This is one reason that sometimes the Lord's Supper is called communion. Because it is. It's a communion between us and God, but it's also a communion between us and one another, right? So as we're, as we're eating the bread, as we're drinking the juice, we're reminded of Jesus' body being broken, reminding of his, of his blood being spilled. We're reminded of, uh, of what he's done in the past, the foundation of the gospel that we're, that we're standing in. But we're also reminding each other of the hope that we're looking to. And we're reminding one another that we're that we're in this together, that, that we're not alone, that we're believing the same things and we're trusting the same God and we're expecting the same things. So there's a horizontal aspect to the Lord's Supper. We're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper here just in a second, but before we do that, I want to read one more, one more passage. And it's the very next passage, starting in verse 27. 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 27. The Lord's Supper is a serious thing. He says, therefore, whoever eats the bread, it's a serious thing because it's a, because it's a serious reality that it's connected to, right? We're proclaiming his death until he comes. Jesus' death and Jesus' coming are serious things that, that matter. They're weighty things. Therefore, because of that, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak, rightly, and a number have even died. But if we judge ourselves rightly, <clears throat> we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we're disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. 
The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. Those who are going to serve the Lord's Supper tonight, if you would come forward, please. The rest of you, I want to ask you to reflect on these passages, especially that last passage we just read. Examine yourself.